Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Nina Kim. Coming up on Forum, districts across California are feeling the effects of the teacher shortage. LA Unified has some 450 job openings for teachers to start this school year. Statewide, the Department of Education reported 10,000 teacher vacancies in the school year that ended in 2022. But the impact of unfilled teaching positions has been particularly acute in the state's rural areas. Alturas Elementary in Modoc County, for example, is short a quarter of its teachers. As we launch a new school year, we take a closer look at rural teacher shortages and hear from you. Has your local school struggled to hire teachers? Tell us after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Alturas is a cattle ranching town of some 2,700 in Modoc County near the Oregon border where the nearest Walmart is two hours away in Oregon. Alturas Elementary is also the only elementary in Modoc Joint Unified, serving just under 390 students. And it's been short more than a quarter of its needed teaching staff. The issues facing Modoc are not unique to the state's rural counties, as Haley Branson Potts of the LA Times reports. And this hour, we take a closer look at the impact of California's teacher shortage on rural areas, Joining me now is Haley Branson-Potts. Welcome to Forum. Thank you for having me. Really glad to have you. Also Superintendent of MODOC Joint Unified School District in Alturas, Tom O'Malley. Really glad to have you as well, Superintendent. Oh, thank you for taking the time and reaching out. I appreciate it. So, Tom, the first day of school for MODOC Unified is a week away on the 23rd? Yes, ma'am. So as of today, how many teacher vacancies do you still need to fill? Uh, District-wide, it is eight. Uh, Seven of them are at my elementary school. We actually had a resignation a week ago Friday, so that took us from six to seven. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, because the total number of teachers at Alturas is around 24. Is that right? It's 24 for my elementary school, so that's the site that's missing seven. Um, Our total, if we're fully staffed, we run at 56. And you have gone to some lengths to hire teachers. I understand you were recruiting out of state, so it's not for lack of trying. How did that go? Um, not well. Um, we, we didn't receive one qualified applicant. We, um, you know, we, we tried to get into North Dakota and we got turned around because of the weather because it was so bad. We got turned around in Colorado, but we made it to 
New Mexico, um, Arizona was not allowing out-of-state agencies to recruit, so we couldn't get into there. But Nevada, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, um, we can't compete with Wyoming salaries. We try to go to areas that have comparable um, you know, environments to live in kind of a thing. So we really hit kind of those, in all honesty, the, the Dakotas, the desolate areas, Montana. And yeah, all of that to the tune of about $75,000. And like I said, we didn't get anything. Uh, why is it so hard, do you think, to hire really the handful of teachers that your district needs? Um, as you said, you know, we're, we're very remote. Uh, Modoc County is, is a very interesting place. When, when people think of California, this isn't what they think of. So, you know, we, <laughs> we'll get into the minus twenties in the winter at times. Um, you know, in the summer, it'll get up to a hundred degrees. Like you said, we're a hundred miles from any type of, of city. Um, the actual, like, kind of like real community, I would say would be Reno, Nevada, which is 180. So there's, there's those issues. And, and I mean, to be completely honest, our, you know, our rural population is, is very conservative and it's hard to draw the people with those kind of rural values into California at this point. Is it also hard to keep the teachers you have? Like what are the biggest causes of attrition or turnover in your district? Our biggest causes are our personal reasons. So we we tend to hire a lot of of young females, um, and typically they're either just married or are about to get married or whatever. And we seem to lose a lot too. I want to be a stay at home mom, or I'm going to move closer to family. Um, that's been pretty much most of our attrition is is I, I want to get back closer to my parents because yeah. I've had first child that that's our biggest issue and 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 you can't fight that would you say that basically the best candidates for the job are are ones who grew up in the area or or nearby very nearby um, who are most likely to to stay and want to teach in in the community yes ma'am so our, our the kids we see stay. Um, they are from small towns. You know, a lot of our our competitors in our league, from MacArthur to Weaverville to Mount Shasta, we have we have their students employed with us. And you know, we've recently started a, a program um, which with Reach University to where we can have our employees that are classified employees. So they're not teachers. They can um, work on their credential at a very low price. We actually got a grant to offset those costs, and so. You know, we can keep our kids here. Our message, you know, I was high school principal 10 years ago was you guys got to get out and see the world. And we're having to shift that to we want you to stay here and come work for us. It's just it's a totally different way of thinking about things that we've just we've had to adjust to. Yeah. Haley, I want to bring you in here because you've reported that that basically Alturas's plight is common to small towns across the state and the nation. Anything you'd add to the reasons that Tom gave about the difficulty of hiring and keeping teachers in the area? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I was so drawn to the story because I'm from a rural town myself. I I grew up in a town of just under 5,000 people in Oklahoma. And it's the same situation there. Um, He's exactly right that um, you hire teachers young, they're going to move for those family reasons. But this is is a nationwide trend. even in urban areas, they're they're struggling to hire teachers, um, especially since the pandemic. A lot of educators are just feeling burnout from those years of 
balancing balancing Zoom school with in-person education with all of the new rules. So there's a lot of burnout in the field right now. There is a perception that teaching is not as respected as it once was. And depending on the part of the country you're in, um, the pay isn't great. So this is a nationwide issue, um, but the effects are more acutely felt in, in these small towns where one person makes a big difference. You also noted that the nation's cultural wars, book bans, are also playing a role? Absolutely. Um, that was not what I saw at, at MODOC. Um, right. But in, but in schools across the country, certainly, I, again, I, I'm from Oklahoma. There's a lot of debate right now about the politics of schools with the state superintendent they have. Currently, they're debating the curriculum that they're going to have in schools. Um, I mean, here in Los Angeles County, we've had um, actually violent protests break, up, break out outside of urban schools over discussions of um, LGBTQ issues in particular. We've got all of these fights over um, the teaching of race and gender, and it, yeah. it makes it, uh, you know, hard for some people to want to want to teach in that environment right now. The schools are a big focus. So there's, there's a big stress on the profession. Yeah. Can you give us more details on the status of the teacher shortage in California? I did mention the 450 or so vacancies that you reported, also the 10,000 or more in the school year that ended in 2022. Where are we at, would you say? How would you characterize California's teacher shortage, Haley? Sure, and I mean, one of the one of the issues is it's it's hard to measure. Um, mm. I, I reached out to numerous uh, specialists who focus on this issue, and it, it's hard to measure because a, what's counted within the vacancies are positions filled by people who don't hold credentials. Um, because when push comes to shove, you know, come come August when it's the first day of school, you've got to fill those classrooms. <laughs> Um, and so sometimes you can't exactly see, um, you know, where the where the shortages are. Uh, that that is the most recent number for California is the 2021-22 school year, uh, the 10,000 vacancies statewide. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's the most recent data. But especially in smaller districts, there there is a there's a need for better data um, to to get the full picture on this on this issue. We're talking with Haley Branson Pott, staff writer for the Los Angeles Times. Her piece is No One is Coming to Our Rescue Inside Rural California's Alarming Teacher Shortage. We've also got Superintendent Tom O'Malley with us, Superintendent of Modoc Joint Unified School District in Alturas, California. And you our listeners are invited to join the conversation. Has your local school struggled to hire teachers? What effect is it having or has it had? Have you felt the effects of the teacher shortage? Maybe you are a teacher yourself at a short staffed school. Are you in a rural area? Do, do these challenges sound familiar to you? You can email forum at kqed.org. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Discord. We're at KQED Forum. And you can call us. Our number is 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. This listener writes, my kid's school has not been able to hire a math teacher for the middle school in San Francisco. 
Tom, I understand that when you have had these teacher vacancies at the start of the school year, you yourself have stepped in to teach? Yeah, so um, the the COVID year, um, we didn't have a, a credentialed math teacher at our high school. We were able to to cover the the easier topics, algebra, geometry, with with some science teachers and, and go that road. But the upper tier kids, um, yeah, we thought they needed somebody with a degree. So I taught trigonometry for a year. Wow. And you know, Haley, while the number of people going into teaching is declining, as you've talked about in your reporting, the demand for even more teachers is growing, especially in the younger grades after Governor Newsom announced plans to massively expand transitional kindergarten or TK. Can you just tell us a little bit about the strain or the added requirements that that's creating? Sure. So this shortage in in California, it it looks different because of that demand. Um, Two years ago, the governor announced a plan to massively expand transitional kindergarten, which of course is the additional year of of public school before kindergarten. Uh, Previously, it had been kind of a limited program over the last decade, thereabouts, uh, for kids who turned five right after the cutoff date, you know, they turned five in the fall or shortly after, and they just missed that window. So most districts, uh, including MODOC, had a, had a smaller, more limited program. You know, they had an afternoon class, a morning class. Under the new law, the eligibility expands annually. So by the 2025-26 school year, every four-year-old in the state is entitled to seat to free transitional kindergarten. What does that mean? A whole lot more teachers are needed. Um, And that's, there are estimates that uh, California will need to hire 11,900 to 15,600 credentialed TK teachers by then. And there are not enough. Newly credentialed TK teachers, right? Because but, there, as you say, there aren't that many. Yeah. There are not that many, and they will face additional credentialing requirements in the coming years as well. Wow. We're talking about California's teacher shortage, and we'll have more with our guests, Haley Branson Potts and Tom O'Malley, after the break. And of course, with you, our listeners, stay with us. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. 
As a new school year begins, we're taking a closer look at how teacher shortages are affecting schools, specifically California's rural schools, and zeroing in on Modoc Joint Unified School District, which is trying to hire as many teachers as it can before school starts next Wednesday. It has eight vacancies. Have you listeners felt the effects of the teacher shortage? Are you a parent with a school-aged kid or a teacher at a short-staffed school? Are you in a rural area? And these challenges are sounding familiar to you. You can tell us by emailing forum at kqed.org, finding us on Facebook, Instagram, Discord, threads. We're at KQED Forum. You can call us at 866-733-6786-866-733. 6786. This listener writes, my wife told me that in the San Ramon Valley District, they do not have enough teachers for special day classes for special needs kids and are having a teacher zoom in. And then they have teacher aides and substitutes in the room instead of an actual teacher. We are talking with Haley Branson Potts, staff writer for the Los Angeles Times, Tom O'Malley, superintendent of Modoc Joint Unified School District. And Haley wrote a piece called No One Is Coming to Our Rescue, where she told the story of uh, how last year, Alturas Elementary, the only elementary in Modoc Joint Unified, lost a kindergarten teacher in the middle of the year. And I'd like to bring in one of the teachers directly affected by that. This was Laurel Rulison. Laurel, thanks so much for being with us. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, Laurel, you were the only TK teacher at Alturas Elementary last year. When that kindergarten teacher left, what happened? How were you affected? <laughs> so um, with with the expansion of the TK program, it, um, it made it so that we had to offer two sessions of TK with a staggered start time. And so I had one group that came in at 8 and left around lunchtime, another group that came in around 10.30 and left around lunchtime or at the end of the day. And then um, when, when, that, when the teacher quit, I ended up taking on nine of the kindergarten students that had been in her class. And so then I had a third group of students, but that third group stayed the entire day. And so I really had to do a lot of juggling to make sure both sessions of TK had their full, um, you know, did all the things that they needed for their program, but that the kindergartners weren't having to do all those things twice. And so it was, it was a little crazy. Oh my gosh. Yes. Because TK is supposed to be half day so that the TK teachers can also prepare for the next day. You had to have two TK classes and a separate third class of an entirely different grade that stayed all day long. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was intense for a bit. It it took a lot of reworking of the schedule for sure. Oh my gosh. I can only imagine because my youngest is actually starting TK. Um, (laughs) And I mean, the benefits of the program are pretty awesome, right? Doing TK. I, I understand you got credentialed for it just very recently. Do you want to tell us what you think of TK as an option for younger uh, students coming into school um, and also what it took for you to get your credential? So I started teaching TK in the 2019-2020 school year. Um, At that point, I had no early childhood education units. Um, Teaching the youngest of students had never really been my goal. And I absolutely fell in love with the program. And um, I had all of 10 months to earn 24 units. 
of early childhood education so that I continue on, I could continue on in that grade. And um, I, I think it's an amazing program. I think that I, both of my kids are, were TK kiddos. And so as on the parent side, I can see how much they've benefited by being that little bit older, having a little more experience being in school. Um, a TK is generally a little more play-based and with lots of singing and dancing. And so lots of fun ways to, to gain those academic concepts. And, um, but, you know, like, like Haley was saying, um, I read statistics somewhere that the number of TK eligible students was going to go from 100,000 to like 400,000 students statewide and that they don't want more than a 12 to one ratio, soon to be 10 to one ratio. Mm. And so expanding a program when we already have such a shortage is, is, you know, as it turns out for all tourists, we just couldn't make it work. Yeah. Tom was mentioning that Alturas, maybe Modoc County, might not be the first choice of a lot of people, especially if they're thinking about coming to teach in California. But but do you like Modoc, Alturas, the the town? Do do you like teaching despite the hardships that you have to contend with with the teacher shortage? I happen to work for an outstanding district. Um, the amount of support we get from admin, um, principals, superintendents, as, you, as Tom shared, he's teaching a class, in fact. Um, so, you know, the the location, the geographic part is, is really challenging for a lot of people. Um, my husband's family bought a ranch. Uh, shortly before I moved up here. And so that's kind of what nailed my feet down to this <laughs> area. Because you, you grew up in Ventura, right? Correct. And so, um, you know, ranching is certainly a job that doesn't <laughs> travel well. So, <laughs> um, so, but we, I, I feel really blessed to, to work for our district. I, there, there are so many perks and, and just, the experience in general, I've, I've been with the district now for 20 years, and um, I, I've just always known that I was supported and trusted to be a professional and to to do my job. So uh, it really helps. Anything else you'd tell a teacher debating moving to MODOK to teach? Please come. <laughs> <laughs> we need you. <laughs> So you are getting ready to teach kindergarten. You're no longer teaching TK. Why is that? And and how are you feeling about it? So we essentially were not able to offer the TK program. We would need three TK teachers to fulfill the, you know, to take on the number of students who are eligible. Um, and then if, it, if we were to go beyond that 12 to 1 ratio, um, that requires like a full-time aide in that position and finding aides is just as challenging as finding teachers, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So um, I had taught kindergarten, I think for about 10 years and, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to actually be part of a team again because with TK, I was the only TK teacher. So we kind of jokingly referred to it as TK Island. Um, so I'm looking forward to being on the team. I'm actually going to loop with my students from TK into kindergarten. So for oh. the most part, I'll have the same students that I had last year, um, which is kind of a very unique situation. Not many people to teach in kindergarten have experience with the students they 
you know, that are incoming for that school year. But um, yeah, it's, it's, I'm kind of going back to something that I'm, I'm comfortable with, but I, I'm definitely going to miss TK. And I hope that if we do find a way to offer it again, that I can make my way back there. Well, Laurel, thanks for for sharing your experience and good luck to you this year. (laughs) Okay, I appreciate it. Thank you. Laurel Rulison, a kindergarten teacher at Alturas Elementary in Modoc County. You, our listeners, are calling. Let me go to some calls. Jacqueline in San Francisco, you're on. Hi, good morning. Good morning. What would you like to share? Um, I grew up in a rural town in northern Michigan and had the privilege of being really encouraged by my teachers to see the world and and experience a, a horizon beyond my small town. And so my comment is really, maybe it's a comment and a question for Tom, um, just, you know, I, I won't, I truly empathize with the limited resourcing and staffing challenges that you all are facing and creative problem solving, I'm sure has been a, a part of that. But your comment earlier about, you know, kind of shifting the focus from encouraging children's um, ambitions to look outside of the town to essentially shifting focus to seemingly a self-serving pipeline for employment for the school district was a little alarming for me. And so I'm just wondering how you're how you're balancing that, how are how are parents reacting to that sort of strategy? You mean going outside to try to to get people? How they're no, reacting to that? No, comment earlier was Tom's comment earlier was that they were, you know, in the past it had been look around and experience the world outside. Like we're preparing you to to essentially take flight, and now we're hey stay here and work. Oh, for the- I see. Sorry, thanks, Jacqueline. Thanks for the clarification, Tom. Yeah, so I appreciate you asking that. So yeah, some more clarification would be, you know, our our position, you know, prior to this this issue was you all have to leave. Like we we got to get all of you out of here because the world is amazing and it's massive and there's too much out there to see. And even students who wanted to stay here, we encouraged to leave. Like we we advocated the exodus. Now it's tapping into those kids who actually want to stay here. And who want to pursue those, you know, I'd, I'd love to come teach at your school. I, I don't want to leave this town. And and we do have those kids and we do provide a lot of opportunities. We take our kids all over the Western United States to see colleges, you know, whether it's Oregon State, we go down in the Bay Area, we go down into Reno, we go, we go all over with our kids. So they still get to see things, but it's those kids that, you know, and enjoy the lives they have here. You know, we, we do have a lot of as, as rural and remote and, and as much poverty as we have, we have a lot of successful families and whose whose kids are just like, man, I mean, I have a great life here. I like the lifestyle. I like to hunt. I like to fish. I really don't want to leave. And so now we have an avenue for them. And now we're more into encouraging that versus us encouraging 100% of our kids to leave. Well, this listener writes, much is reported about the teacher shortage, but there's little discussion of significant barriers to recruiting and hiring. Every district has a different pay scale, benefits. Some districts limit the number of years of experience that are given credit for placement on the pay scale, decreasing the number of applicants and making sure that experienced professionals who might consider a career shift to education are excluded. It is time to consider a new approach to hiring district professionals, regional considerations for pay, different placements on the salary scale of benefits might also be considered. 
Bill writes, schools are in session for just 175 days, make student learning full-time and teaching a full-time profession with corresponding compensation. Tom, I want to ask you about the decision to not offer TK this year, even, of course, in the face of the impending state mandate and so on. Can you just talk about what you grappled with in terms of making that decision and how you communicated it? Sure. So, um, you know, my board obviously was very involved in the decision and very well informed and it, it, it was, it was quite simple to be completely honest. Uh, my County office of education operates, um, you know, preschool programs, which have been serving this age group forever and they have the ability to continue to do so. So for us, there's no change there in that regard. It's just, you know, instead of those kids being at my elementary school, they're just going to stay on with our county office. We still have some local preschools that that'll be operating, but it's just, it's a numbers game. And and do you want to put 65th graders all in one room in a room that was built in, you know, 1932 that was designed to house, you know, 24. It just, it's bad math. And so we're at this point now where we have to do the most amount of good for the most amount of kids. And, and, and it is a numbers game as much as you hate to say that. Cause you know, I realized that if we had a fully credentialed staff with TK, we would do some amazing things. We don't have a fully credentialed staff. So we have to figure out what things just have to go. And yeah. those hard decisions have to be made. And, and my board had the, the courage to support that. Well, Haley, you asked the state board of department of education, about how Alturas and other rural schools can't meet the mandate. What did they say to you? Sure. They, I, I did uh, communicate with a spokesman for the Department of Education. He said that they are well aware of the, the additional challenges for rural district uh, with inadequate classroom space and staffing shortages. Um, but he essentially said this, this is the law um, in California. Um, districts must offer TK by, by 2025-26. I asked him what will happen to districts that don't, and that remains unclear. Um, he said that the, the education department has no authority to issue a penalty. So I, we have yet to see. So yeah. it's essentially offer it, but if you don't, we're not sure. Well, this is no rights. Lawmakers and policymakers make laws that exacerbate the problem of teacher shortages with policies to increase the number of early learners, which do produce great benefits. However, politicians are negatively impacting the experience of employees. Burnout and stress are not sustainable work experiences. We're talking with Haley Branson Potts, staff writer for the Los Angeles Times, who's focused on rural school districts in California. Tom O'Malley, superintendent of Modoc Joint Unified School District in Alturas, California. And I want to bring into the conversation now, Lisa Pruitt, a professor at UC Davis School of Law, who also focuses on rural communities. Lisa, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. How would you characterize the rural district's relationship with state government? Are are the issues that MODOC faces and the difficulties with meeting state mandates, I imagine it also creates some tensions. Is that fairly common? Well, it is. And we see it, you know, we see other manifestations of it, especially out of the North State and, you know, what is sometimes referred to as the the would-be state of Jefferson or the aspirational state of Jefferson. And so what we see with the TK mandate and what's happening in Modoc County 
um, is, uh, you know, really an example of, of another unfunded uh, mandate. Um, I know that some funds are on offer, obviously, per student who, you know, shows up to do TK. But um, in a place like Modoc County, uh, you know, there are barriers other than cost, as have been, you know, well explored um, in, in the program already um, because of the lack of, uh, you know, developed human capital. That is, you know, the people with the, with the degrees to, uh, to do these sorts of jobs. So I think it is, you know, one more example of what can be very aggravating um, for rural populations particularly in a state like California that is so overwhelmingly urban. Um, so it can be very, very difficult for, you know, local governments, local entities, local school boards uh, to get the attention of lawmakers and bureaucrats, uh, you know, in Sacramento to the particular challenges mm. uh, that rural communities are facing, uh, such as this one. So would you say that that the state should waive requirements like this, like the TK requirement? Well, I think the state needs to needs to get creative, right? I think what would be helpful is is for for the state to 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 be more creative. And maybe not just to be creative vis-a-vis uh, -vis rural districts. Um, if you look at the maps of of where, there's a terrific map from the Learning Policy Institute that, you know, shows you where California's most acute teaching shortages are. And many of them are in rural places. Uh, but we also know from some recent reporting uh, by Cal Matters that low-income student populations, uh, you know, uh, everywhere, districts with high proportions of low-income students uh, everywhere are suffering uh, from the same thing that we're seeing in Modoc County. So my point is that these challenges are not limited to non-metropolitan places like uh, Modoc County and Alturas. And so it seems to be in the interest of, uh, you know, of policymakers in Sacramento to think about all the low-income students who, uh, who are not being served um, and to think about the, the, the common challenges and to look, you know, to, to get more creative about how we can support um, all of these districts, uh, whether they're rural, urban, suburban, uh, and so forth. We need some medium to long-term solutions. We were talking about California's teacher shortage and the effects that it's having across the state and zeroing in today on a rural district, Modoc Joint Unified, with Tom O'Malley, Superintendent, Haley Branson Potts of the LA Times, and Lisa Pruitt, Professor at UC Davis School of Law, who focuses on rural communities. More after the break. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about how the state's teacher shortage is affecting California's rural school districts with Tom O'Malley, superintendent of Modoc Joint Unified, Haley Branson-Potts, a staff writer for the Los Angeles Times, Lisa Pruitt, a professor at UC Davis School of Law, focusing on rural communities, and with you, our listeners. Let me go to Jennifer in Woodland. Hi, Jennifer. You're on. Hi. Hi there. What would you like to say? Um... I would like to chime in on this conversation because I don't think that I think there's a missing I'd like to express just how extremely stressful the last three years in teaching have been. This is the true reason for such a teaching shortage. I'm an experienced teacher of 15 years, very, very passionate about what I do. And I've just resigned and it breaks my heart. And but people can only really take so much. I think that people maybe the wider population really doesn't understand how many of us worked absolutely around the clock on the online teaching year. I was teaching seventh and eighth graders who really, really suffered being at home at that time in human development when they needed to, where their peer relationships were of utmost importance and they could not socialize. They were each isolated in their homes. We had a student commit suicide, leave a very poignant, very, um, very intense letter speaking directly to teachers, begging adults to understand the cost of this policy of the online learning and not allowing them to attend school in person, um, saying, please, please realize how it's affecting us. So that rocked our school community. I had multiple students on suicide watch in the Sacramento Mental Hospital. So I'm staying up late all hours of night meeting these kids on Zoom because they're threatening suicide because they're because I'm trying to save lives. So we worked around the clock, um, also in a very contentious political environment. Um, we're brainstorming on weekends how we can pull off an eighth grade promotion for our kids, given the masking uh, guidelines and all of the restrictions. And we pull off a somewhat of a decent promotion uh, for them, but we've got parents with arms crossed angrily behind just glaring at us the entire time because, you know, so we have to take the hate of society and um, it's too much. (laughs) Jennifer, I, I so appreciate you calling in and sharing that. And I imagine, well, you're also in a fairly rural area as well, right? So it's actually more suburban, but edging on rural areas. Yeah. So that's also a point that I'm not really in a remote rural area, but this problem is far more expansive than just rural areas. It's it's hitting urban, suburban, everywhere. Well, to that point, Deborah writes, I taught for 30 years in Oakland. I retired four years ago at the age of 61. My retirement was pre-COVID, but the work had become increasingly difficult in the last years. A range of factors from the intrusion of cell phones into the classroom, school shootings, aggressive parents, overwhelming class sizes, inadequate pay for the Bay Area made retirement make more sense than continuing. I now teach ESL to adult refugees from Ukraine, and this allows me to continue teaching without feeling the stress from those overwhelming factors. Let me go to Kimberly in Redwood City. Hi, Kimberly. Join us. You're on. 
Hi, Kimberly. Are you there? Oh, yes, I'm here. Sorry. Okay, can you uh, I can. Let's see if we can keep that connection strong. Go ahead and share your point. Hi. Um, well, I'm a I'm an educator at large that wants to help my either local schools or rural schools uh, south of where I am in Redwood City. However, um, even though I have a master's in education and I ran my own licensed preschool and after-school program for about 15 years and about about five years of substitute teaching experience, um, I was offered uh, potentially two positions as a TK and first grader. In uh-huh. But my, I was going to be looking at a $30,000 pay cut if I went into, into teaching uh, in the classroom versus doing what I'm doing now. And it just was completely unrealistic. And I was very sad because I wanted to help out and uh, was ready to commit, you know, through to retirement. I have 20 years plus of experience. And they had to start me off at the pay scale of the, like a first-year teacher. And with that kind of uh, issue... It had to be a deal breaker, unfortunately, and so I just stopped trying to apply to the school district that I saw had you know, a need because I just can't afford it. Uh, Kimberly, so you would have had to take a $30,000 pay cut from your current role as an educator to be a TK or first grade teacher. Another listener writes, how can we pay teachers higher salaries in California? Can we pay higher taxes and specify that the money go to teacher salaries and for free preschool and preschool teacher salaries and after school teacher salaries? If teachers are paid more, people will become teachers. We actually have on the line Jeff Freitas, president of the California Federation of Teachers. Uh, Jeff, thanks so much for calling. Thank you. Uh, good morning. And I, I love the statement you just said um, about the increase in salaries. One of the, we've been talking to our members, talking to educators, all educators, uh, teachers and classified throughout the state over the last couple of years, and their number one issue is our wages and, and affordability, housing affordability as well. Um, and uh, we have a bill, AB 938, in the legislature. Um, it's in the, the second house that would increase wages for all school workers by 50% by 2030. And that's a big step in rebenching these salaries to be able to be afforded in the richest, the most expensive state um, in the country. Well, Jeff, appreciate you calling. You know, Tom, it's interesting because. While, yes, teacher pay is a big issue, as Haley also pointed out, as one of the reasons for the teacher shortage. But Haley also reported that your district actually offers very competitive salaries, ranging from fifty-three to $100,000 in a county where the typical home price is about $189,000, so, so the lowest in California in May. So in your case... Is teacher pay, you think, the biggest factor or one a big factor in terms of the difficulty in hiring teachers or recruiting teachers? You know, there's always a problem that, you know, we're all competing for the for the same people statewide. So if you don't care where you live and in my district, you're going to start out at 53,000 and in L.A. Unified, you're going to start out at 75. You know, and you want to just, you know, make money, then then you would head that way. Um, what the caller earlier referred to about just the the environment that that these teachers are working in these days, I mean, the the, the state, to be honest, has made the, it really difficult. Just as far as you know, they, they hamstring us a lot on discipline anymore. Um, there's just a lot of demands on these teachers to where it, it's harder and harder for for all of them to stay. It really is. She she really nailed it when she called in, just talking about you know the COVID years and what have you, but. But prior to that, you know, at some point, 
you know, we, we always say, you know, when, when I was a kid, my, my parents didn't question what the school said and I got dealt with at home. Some somewhere along, and I want to say it was in the '90s, is what it feels like. We we became the enemy, and we're on the other side now. And and we just want to teach your kids, but when they misbehave, we are going to deal with it. And and a lot of parents just don't want that. So it, mm-hmm. it's that's been a huge challenge for staff, just not having that support and being expected. You know, we're not just teaching kids now. We're their mental health counselors, and we're their nutrition advisors, and you know. We're we're almost we're, we're surrogate families for these kids. They're with us, uh, you know, seven hours a day. But we're expected to to, to make sure they're like okay twenty four seven. It's it's a very weird environment, and that's not what a lot of people signed on for. It, it's it really has evolved, especially in the last five years. Well, the Zussner writes, have superintendents in rural areas considered recruiting senior citizens to come for a year or two? Surely there are programs for retirees who would be interested in teaching in a remote area. Give them temporary credentials for the time. It may leave you with the same problem as hiring someone younger who leaves for the personal reasons you discuss. But if you work with an agency specialized in this area, maybe you can set up a pipeline of sorts. Tom? So, yeah, no, we've we've actually gone down this path. Um. Part of the problem is, you know, it is a one-year solution. Also, too, we're not just trying to plug bodies in so we have babysitters. We're trying to have have people who can actually teach and teach well. And it is an art. It's not like just because you worked at NASA, you can walk in here and teach science to these kids and they'll buy in. You, you have to get the right person. And that is a challenge. Like I said, especially with today's kids, they are a little bit different. You know, again, we all say these this too, right? But today's kids with the technology, they are, they are a little bit interesting to work with, I would say, not that they're not amazing, but um, they are definitely challenging. So finding that right person, it, it's not, we don't, we don't want just bodies. And so we, you know, we've had people apply. We're not, we're, we're not going to settle. We still have to have good people in there. Our kids deserve the best. And I'd rather have my limited staff of great versus, you know, a full staff of, eh, you know, they're just okay. Lisa, Tom was mentioning just all the demands, other, other, Callers were also mentioning just all the demands on schools and on teachers themselves to play so many different roles. And we've heard about that as the school being almost like a, a center, right? A community center. Do you think that is not the right way for schools to go given the challenges? Or, or what do you see um, as trying to balance those needs uh, with what a school is capable of providing? Well, to state the obvious, it's a very, very challenging situation because the the changes that the the state has made, the new um, standards and expectations that have been imposed on on schools are in response to wider changes in society. So I think it would be, uh, you know, silly to act as if there are uh, easy solutions, right? Balances are uh, are going to have to be struck with, you know, uh, this whole range of issues that have been discussed from, you know, discipline and 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 so forth. But, you know, we might take the 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 COVID uh, episode as an example um, of, you know, where perhaps the state didn't make the very best of uh, decisions. And of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, but, you know, Haley did some fabulous reporting um, early in the pandemic out of Weaverville in Trinity County um, about, you know, the headline was this, you know, uh, quip about, you know, trying something entirely different, you know, schools with kids in the classroom, because some rural schools did did resume classes much earlier than than urban schools did. 
And um, uh, so that may have been the right thing to do. You know, we now look at um, at, at states and jurisdictions that uh, that did get get back into the classroom early. And uh, we can see lots of evidence that that was the right thing to do. Uh, again, you know, acknowledging that that hindsight is twenty twenty. But um, I think anyone involved in education knows, even in, in higher education too, that the the job has uh, ha- has changed enormously in in the last ten years for yeah. uh, you know for the reasons that have been articulated by the callers and writers and you know by Mr. O'Malley. Yeah, and the needs of students. I'm reminded that we did a show about how rural areas are struggling to hire doctors, other professions to meet community needs, not just educators. Of course, it feels like the acute teacher shortage is all connected to sort of a general difficulty of having the kinds of human capital in place in rural areas, Lisa. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, You know, I've written a lot about the rural lawyer shortage. um, And uh, like you mentioned with uh, medical professionals, and now we're talking about teaching professionals, rural communities are really uh, struggling to uh, attract and retain uh, these sorts of, of professionals. And they're all related in a web, right? Because the the lawyer coming out of law school and the doctor coming out of med school, they don't want to move to Modoc County if Modoc County doesn't have good schools. And teachers don't want to move to Modoc County to teach if they don't have good health care. So it, um, it, it's it's all in a uh, a cycle together, uh, and unfortunately for some rural communities, it can turn into a, a death spiral because if you start to lose, um, it, you know, if your if your schools are in decline because of the inability to uh, to attract teaching professionals, then you're going to have you know struggles getting the uh, the healthcare professionals and and the lawyers. And uh, and and you know all sorts of other professionals that that these communities uh, rely on. So uh, there's really a lot at stake for rural uh, communities uh, with respect to all of these all of these professions. And yeah. you know places like Modoc County are just in a particular um, a particularly challenging situation because um, because of the the lack of of opportunity to pursue higher education. Uh, really anywhere nearby, um, you know, the closest community college, I guess, would be in uh, in Lassen County. Uh, there's a four year university in Klamath Falls, but um, really, uh, it's it's not easy in places uh, like that are as isolated as Modoc to, you know, to take the the raw talent that that you're raising there and that you're educating, as I know, you know, Mr. Malley and his staff are doing. And and then helping them get to the next step so that they can uh, so that they can become professionals and and also serve that community. And again, Lisa Pruitt focuses on rural communities as a professor at UC Davis School of Law. And you are listening to Forum. I mean, Kim. Let me go to Valerie in Oakland. Valerie, you're on. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Valerie Bachelor. I'm a school board director in Oakland Unified. And one of the things that I haven't heard yet, and I agree with every caller, it's about pay, it's about, you know, the amount of work that we've put on educators, but it is also about the facilities that our educators are working in. Mm. Um, So in the city of Oakland, our facilities are over 75 years old. 
And many of them do not have air conditioning, do not have, um, you know, uh, ways in which we can kind of have air flow through, um, you know, in order to make sure that our classrooms stay cool. Um, some of our classrooms get to over 100 degrees, and that is a real hazard not only to our students, but obviously the educators and the classified staff that are in those classrooms. Yeah. Um, I would also say, once again, you know, uh, with crumbling facilities or, or challenging facilities, there's also... Um, Issues that come up with rain when when we have crazy rain seasons like we've been having when we've had wildfire seasons we're asking folks to you know open up their rooms and open up their their windows to support airflow but if we have a fire season happening that is not possible right and it yeah. also prevents our students from coming into our classrooms if we have issues so that is definitely something that I want the, the state of California to invest in to help us as a district invest we've asked our voters time and time again to make investments and they have overwhelmingly supported us but we need the state to also make an investment in Oakland yeah. and cities like ours so that we can have working conditions and students learning conditions be what we need them to be for them to be successful. Well, Valerie, thank you for reminding us of that piece of it as well. You know, Tom, I'm struck by hearing um Valerie's point and I'm sure we didn't even get to the whole scope of of issues also just hearing Lisa talking about the web, right? And and Death spiral is a bit um, alarming, right, in terms of hearing that. That's sobering. Tell me if this question is too personal, but I wonder if you ever questioned your ability to solve the issues that your district faces. I mean, you're dealing with day-to-day needs. It must be hard to even find the time to think about these broader long-term challenges. But when you do, do, do you ever feel like maybe they can't be solved or that you can't be the one to solve them? Oh, absolutely. I talk to my board often about just, I don't, I don't mind solving problems and I appreciate when problems hit my desk because I, I kind of enjoy working on things. I don't like unsolvable problems. Like I, I can't move my community to, to a place where, where people would want to live. You know, like my geography is what it is. So trying to figure out how to, in all honesty, the, the desperate term was, was perfect on how to just keep our community you know, going and, and how it survives moving forward is, is, is hard. And it definitely, it's wearing on the brain when you just, you can't figure out next steps because you can't control those, those aspects of, of what your problem is. Well, Tom, really appreciate all the work you do and, and wish you the best of luck this school year. Superintendent of Modoc Joint Unified School District in Alturas, Haley Branson Potts, so appreciate the reporting that you've done that inspired today's segment. Haley is staff writer for the Los Angeles Times. And Laura Woolison, kindergarten, oh no, Laura Woolison came on earlier, kindergarten teacher for Alturas. Really appreciated her voice and experience and direct experience. Lisa Pruitt, professor of UC Davis School of Law, focusing on rural communities, helping us to see the bigger picture. Thank you as well to our listeners, to Caroline Smith for producing today's segment. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. 
Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.